Welcome to the High Road to Leadership, a journey to the heart of success and significance. I'm your host, Beverly Lewis, and I have a guest for you today that it, this is going to be a fantastic conversation. Mary Lynn Jenkins is in the studio. Now, Mary Lynn is the author of The Transformative Power of Language, Change Your Language, Change Your Life. And she's also, there's just so many fascinating things in her resume. I'll start with the fact that she is a mother, a wife, a coach, a speaker, a consultant, and I already mentioned a writer. She began her career as an interior designer and worked for Southern Living Magazine. That fascinates me because in my (laughs) household, growing up in the South, Southern Living Magazine is like superstar. Uh, Then she moved all the way out to the West Coast where she worked as a set designer. Mary Lynn has owned her own businesses. She owned uh, yoga studios for 11 years and taught the NFL how to touch their toes. I love that. She has trained hundreds of students to step into leadership in and out of the classroom as as entrepreneurs, as catalysts for change. And she also has her own podcast called One Creative Act. Welcome, Mary Lynn. I can't wait to share some wisdom with our, with the audience today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm I'm grateful to to get to be here with you. Thank you so much, Beverly. Well, the transformative power of language, and we're both communicators, and all of us are communicators. You know, even those people who speak different languages or don't have verbal language, we're all communicators. And I, I love, I took a lot of notes from your book, but talk to us about the inspiration behind writing a book on the transformative power of language. Well, gosh, the inspiration is, um, I think it's important to, it's important to believe right at a basic level that we all have a book in us. We all do. And we really all have many books in us. And um, so I had been, of course, you know, I, I probably had a deep sense of, I do have a book in me, but I also had some great people that were encouraging me. You should put all this in a book. You know, this is, this is content that could really support people. So, um, I guess maybe the combination of that and years of really doing the work, I did believe that there was great information that could, that could support and serve people. And I was reaching a very small population. I've um, led leadership teacher development trainings and uh, leadership programs out of my yoga studios for about a decade. And then, you know, when virtual became bigger, I knew I was reaching more people, but I feel like a book is one of those, it is one of those platforms, you know, that actually, you know, you get a good book in your hands and, and you start passing it around like, oh, this, this is really great. I want you to read this. So I wanted it to be a really simple read. I wanted to create, um, something that was very relatable, which of course you just said we, we are, we're all communicators. But it's, it's a conversation that we don't really have. We don't talk about the power of our words. And so to put all of that into a book, an easy read book, for people to start passing around and recognizing for themselves, like, 
okay, there, there's something to this. And then bigger than that, my hope has been there's something to this book. It was easy to read. And now how can I apply it to my life? So, um, it, I mean, and you know, you're, you're in this type of work too. And anybody out there who's written a book knows that it is, it is a, passion project for sure that, you know, you, you can, you can set the goal, you can see it in the vision, you can, you know, oh yeah, you know, in a year from now, this book is, I'm going to be holding it. The journey that you go on in writing a book is, um, it is not for the faint of heart for sure, but it is also one of the most amazing experiences I think of my lifetime. And I was just writing some um, notes the other the other morning in my journal, and I put my second book. It was the first time I really intentionally wrote in my second book. So I know that I have, you know, in my in my goals, and I, I can see another book, and um, and you know. The, I think the the treasure in writing it is the process that the the author gets to go through. Um, and and then also the the continuation of that treasure is is um you know really the hope that it is that it's serving people it's really giving people something so i love that you know i what i'm picturing right now and i want to start here too is that when we when i when i go hiking with my husband we go out in nature a lot and you know there's always a sign that says um you know, leave only footprints behind. Mm. So my goal has been always to leave places better than I found them. Like if I find some trash there, I'll pick it up and remove it. But how much more should we leave people better than we found them? And I I know in your book, you say we leave people with an experience of ourselves every time we deliver words. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let's let's talk about that. Let's let's dig into that a little bit because I want to ask how can we how how can you suggest to people to become aware that that everything we say, you know, we're we're impacting people. Mm-hmm. We're it's like seeds we're planting in their lives, right? Yeah. Amen. It is. I mean, that's exactly what it is. I think um you know, my my story with even beginning this kind of this, this looking, having a lens for the power of our spoken word, it, it, it started just like this, you know, I don't think it's something that is talked about. We know that communication is what gets us things. It gets us our job. It gets us where we're going. It gets us the relationship. Communication is actually what gets us there. Um, But to really have a conversation and start looking into how we how we are speaking, the words that we're saying, the impact that they have in any sort of setting, that's that's what really started interesting me. And it was it was totally rooted in my own breakdown, of course, you know, which is where a lot of our a lot of a lot of our um a lot of the things that we want to dive deeper into, it's it's rooted in our, you know, our own dark space. And my husband and I had moved from uh, Birmingham, Alabama, after just about a year of marriage, 
um, to the West Coast. And I, I was doing my thing. I was really, really, um, I was becoming a successful set designer and loved my work and um, was back and forth to San Francisco for big chunks of time, three weeks at a time. And he was involved with his work. And so what I'm saying is, is we were somewhat leading lives that didn't really intersect a whole lot unless we were intentional about it. And as a result of that, um, communication started breaking down. It became surface and pretty superficial. And um, I, I feel like one of the one of the great, great things in my life was a girl that was living in our apartment complex. She said, I know a woman, if, if y'all are willing to go, would you go? And, you know, she's a counselor of sorts. And I said, yeah, maybe, you know, I don't think my husband will want to go. Well, my husband is the one who really wanted to go. And I was the one that didn't really want to go at the time. So, but we ended up in her office and it was my first real introduction to, I had heard of counselors before, but Teresa was a, was more of a coach and she, she is a coach, phenomenal. And while she was coaching us in our marriage, and and by the way, like I'm painting a picture, like we so willingly showed up. I mean, my arms were crossed the entire time. I was like, the marriage is done. I don't like you anymore. I'm not even, I don't even really care how we got in this place, but this is where we are and I want out, you know? So all of that was really the energy around our first several meetings with our coach and um, what began to open up in those, those meetings with her was she actually taught us how to speak to one another. That's what she was teaching us. I mean, there, you know, I'm, I'm an artist, I'm a creative, I am super expressive. And I would, I was like a you know, just like a fire hose. Anytime TF, my husband TF would walk in, he is organized logistics, um, you know, detail, you know, it's like we have completely different communication styles and I'll never forget. Teresa looked at us. This was on day one over 20 years ago. She said, Mary Lynn, it's like you're speaking Chinese and TF, it's like you're speaking German and you're, you're walking through the same room and you want so badly to have a life together. And I, and I remember her saying this too. She said, and I believe that there is so much love. There's so much love between the two of you. But when you're speaking a different language, you will miss connection. And oh my gosh, it gets me emotional now because it, it, it was so true. And I, I feel like um, gosh, isn't that true of so many relationships, so many organizations? Oh my gosh, it's the state of our, our world right now. You know, it's, um, it's, it's the prominent lens that I think we're all looking through. This is the way I talk. And so they better understand. And, and really, when we can take that lens off and start listening, like, oh, actually, what matters the most, what mattered the most, really, underneath the hard shell for me, was I wanted to be with my husband. That's 
that's what mattered the most, right? Yes. If yes. I peeled away, you know, trying to be the tough girl and, you know, ready to run, if I really picked that up, what mattered the most was I want to be with my husband. I want this marriage to work. I just didn't know how to do it. And I didn't have the skills in my language to actually connect to him. And um, so, you know, I believe in, uh, I know you're a great coach and I love coaching people. I think that um, that's, that is a very, very vulnerable step. Um, but I think it's probably one of the most powerful steps that we can take when we know like, Hey, something's not working. My default is to say, it's not working. I'm out of here. Um, but if you can get to someone who can teach you something that you're willing to learn, um, and I think TF and I both approached this, like, yeah, we have a willingness to learn. I was mad and he was broken but we both had a willingness to learn. That really started this path for me, Beverly, into recognizing, oh my gosh, if learning how to listen and speak can save my marriage, it can support it it can support our whole world. It can support people and support uh, communities and it can support businesses. And um, so it has really been, it's sort of been my path for sure. It's been the thing that I, you know, that I have, it's, it certainly started changing my life. And from there, I started really just diving into a, just a lot more um, leadership development work that was rooted in speaking, rooted in, and I don't mean up on a stage speaking, but rooted in really understanding how we communicate and the power of speaking and the power of listening power of the spoken word. So, yeah. And isn't lifelong learning, isn't the, isn't the uh, enchantment of being able to, you know, just keep going. You don't have to have majored in it in college. You know, you can, uh, this is like, to me, we should be teaching this starting in kindergarten with children and making it like uh, more important than reading, writing, and arithmetic is communication. Well, and think about it. You know, when I, I remember um, now flash forward many years, we lived on the West coast for about 10 years and we've been now in on this side of the country back in Florida for about almost 15 I remember my kids being so, you know, really little, and I'm sure you can think back to this too, and walking into these precious little um, preschool classrooms and on the wall, you know, they had these great young teachers have these laminated things that say, be kind, love your neighbor. Um, Say, please say, thank you. You know, and, and, and because of, all of this work in the spoken word and listening. And, you know, I, every time I remember when the kids were little, I would walk in and I was like, why do we only save this for our children when they're four five and six? And they're not in every office building, you know, for the 35 to 65 year olds, you know, to, Isn't that to, the truth? to practice speaking those, those things. So I often um, say we have too we have we need more kindergarten and less college. 
so true. So let's, you mentioned when you were talking about um, that you had to learn to let go of the surface and the superficial language. Mm. Um, how, how do people do that? How can you, how did you even recognize that it was surface and superficial? Because I do think that, you know, from the home, I always, my mission and vision is to impact leaders from the living room to the boardroom uh, Mm, and beyond, you know, because, and so what, what is so fascinating to me about the power of this is it does affect every single area of our lives. It Mm. affects our businesses, it affects our jobs, it affects our families. But can you give like an example of how it can be, how people can recognize when they're being surface and superficial? Yeah, well, yeah, that's a great, that's a great question. I'll, I'll start off by saying this. We're not separate. We're not a dissection. You know, we, we are one thing. We are one person. And so I am who I am, wherever I am, you know, wherever I go. I have thoughts, I have emotions, I have uh, sensations, I have a lens from which I see the world, my, which is, we call it our perspective or point of view. Um, so I can put on a mask, you know, I can almost put on something that in a sense um, might, might look a certain way in a certain setting. Oh, okay, so I'm going to a party, I'm going to put on my party mask. But it doesn't necessarily take away my thoughts, my emotions, my sensations, my perspective, my point of view. But that mask can support me in certain settings, right? Or I'm going into the office today. I'm going to put on my office mask. Well, even this is in the book. I, and I, I really, truly do believe that this is, um, this is the most important work that we can do. Otherwise, we are just trying hard to say the right thing. And that's what I believe can come across. That's what I'm, I'm labeling sort of as superficial. If I'm just trying hard to say the right thing, you can try hard your whole life and all you're going to get is blue in the face, you know? But if we do the work, and by the way, like, we're just, you just got, you got to set yourself up. And I do this every day, Beverly. I have to set myself up for this is my life. This is my work. These are the things that I have to recognize. I'm practicing this every day. It's the mountain with no top. I'm not going to get to a mountaintop and it's done. This is actually, this is my work every day. Listening to my husband, speaking, you know, in a way that serves him, that is aligned with who I am. So I'm getting a little bit off track, but what I believe is, um, Really important, and I, I love. Um, <laughs> it always comes up when I when I sort of mention this part of the book. Um, Brene Brown, who I know you probably listen to, and I love her, love. but she, yeah, she, you know, she's like in one of her first TED talks, she was like, you know, I showed up at the counselor's office, and I was like, no childhood stuff, none of that crap. I don't want to go back. I don't want to deal with any of that. Well, the thing about listening to where you came from is that it actually was the first breadcrumb that got you to where you are in in how you communicate. 
And so we have to, in a sense, this is one of the, I think this is the first chapter in the book, you know, listen for where you came from. And yeah, there may be some emotion. There may be some things that you saw or you heard or you were exposed to when you were younger that you wish wouldn't have happened, but they happened. And as a result of that happening, there is an impact in your life. There's an influence. And if we aren't aware of that influence, that can be our default way of acting and being and speaking for our entire life. And so to look there can be um, one of the scariest things. And I think it's why a lot of people don't want to go there. But it's also where we find grace. It's where we find a source of freedom. It's where we start recognizing, oh my gosh, that's why I am this way. That, that, this is where this came from. There's, there's something very powerful when we can point to it. You know, when we can point to, oh my gosh, my mom did that for years. Like she was so busy all the time. And actually, I love her for being busy. I love her for that. And that's actually not something that I want to take into my future. So locate it um, and then be willing to, to let it go. You know, I think we, we inherit a lot. We inherit a lot of things that we want to hold on to. And we also, from the time we're, we're little kids, we inherit, we're impacted by a lot of things that, that we might not necessarily want to hold on to. And, um, so as adults, you know, it's, it's really a, it's really a practice in, um, self-responsibility, you know, being self-responsible. Who, who is it that I want to be in my language? Who is it that I want to be when I come face to face with someone? So I think that, I think that I'm saying a lot here, I know, but I think it's so important to take the time and the book, I believe really walks you through, um, some exercises and, and um, trying to make it as, as understandable and relatable as possible, not concepty or anything like that, but to really walk people through, go there, go there and spend some time listening for, well, oh, this is how I wound up. And actually, maybe I want to re- let that go. Maybe I, maybe I, Maybe I don't need that anymore at this phase in my life. And and then I think what begins to happen is we start recognizing, wow, that's really had a big influence and a big impact on me. And I, I didn't even know it. And if it's having an impact on you, then it's having an impact on on how you speak to others. And oftentimes that that influence, that impact, how you've wound up, it can it can come out in whether we mean for it to or not, it can come out in a, somewhat of a superficial way of of um, being with others, and I know that that's that's really to come full circle. That's sort of what I was being with my husband. I was, you know, just pulling from the only thing I knew, and it we were missing deep connection, and uh, I think a deeper sense of connection. It, it begins with how you speak to one another and how you listen. So, absolutely, um, yeah. You know, I, this is not a mask, but I want to address the fact that I think somewhere along the line as adults, we get this, uh, it's like a 
attitude that we wear of the need to be right. Oh, and God. yeah, it it can be called confidence. It can be called pride. I I could write a book on this subject and uh, because I used to excel at this, but I have found, and I, I'd just like for you to address that, that how much power there is in relinquishing the need to be right. Oh my gosh. Well, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's sort of the pot calling the kettle black, isn't it? When two people are talking about this and we know, we know that really we're right. We love saying that we're right, right? <laughs> well, I, you know, it, again, it's, it's one of those um, conversations that I don't think I don't think, uh, I don't think comes up a whole lot unless you're in your, you know, when, when we're in the sort of the leadership domain, when we're, when we're doing this type work, it certainly is a more common, common space for conversation. But, huh, I think we are hardwired from a very, very early age to get the gold star to, uh, yeah, yeah, right. Nothing, nothing feels better. Nothing feels better, Beverly, does it? You know, then to, then to go home and show your mom that you got a gold star on your paper. And this is, this is something that, that we're teaching at a very young age. And by the way, I, I'm not against it. I think it's incredible to applaud, um, you know, children when they're, it's wonderful. It's healthy. Applaud them. Um, and not everybody needs to get a gold star. You know, if they didn't get their work done, they don't get a gold star. Um, but I do think that, you know, when, when we think about those things that are influencing us from a very early age, that sets the stage, I think for, oh, this is, this is what's right you know, to, to do things this way. And it's not just, I'm just using the gold star sort of as an example, but, um, do this, don't do that. And so we begin to cultivate our, our, our worldview, our perspective, how we view the world and how we view the world is the right way, right? How I view the world becomes the right way. How you view the world becomes the right way. So when you get into a room full of, you know, 10 people and everyone has their perspective that has been ingrained in them since the very first gold star they got at a young age, you've got 10 right ways. You've got 10 right perspectives. And um, it, it's, it takes something, doesn't it? It really takes something to pull that out of our blind spots You know, I don't Mm -hmm. think that people necessarily walk around, you know, their office and say, no, well, I don't know. We sometimes we do No, this is the right way. I've got the right way. I think that there's a, um, you know, there may be sort of a facade of, you know, in a a lot of marriages and a lot of relationships and a lot of organizations and a lot of businesses, you know, we're, we're trying to work together. If you're trying to work together, you're not really working together. There's a lot of effort and try, but there is something in, I think, pulling forward from all of our blind spots. And by blind spot, I mean, it's what you don't see. You don't see it. And until we see it, we can't point to it. So pulling forward, oh my gosh, I do think I'm right all the time. I'm right all the time. And I, 
Oh, I actually and, and lo- loosening loosening your grip on it is a good first step, right? Oh yes, <laughs> I did a whole episode just recently on our blind spots, and I do have to. I just have to make a comment on the whole gold star thing too. That one thing I've become so acutely aware of is that we are. We are accustomed to being awarded or rewarded from a very early age for having the right answers. And I think that's where this attitude of being right is. We don't usually get rewarded for having the right questions. Oh, so good. And as an adult, that's what I'm trying. I feel like that's what I've learned in this last period of uncertainty is if it's not about having the right answers, you've got to ask the right questions. And it's even like that in, in, Related to our circumstances, but more importantly, related to our relationships. You know, you make a statement in the book that leadership is this, honoring your word and being up to something bigger than yourself. Leading is about making others better. Mm -hmm. I love that. And I know that you've, that's been your vision. Your vision is big is, and, but it starts with something as small as words. Isn't that fascinating? That's so fascinating. Well, I think, you know, if you, if you pulled a group of people together and you've probably done something like this before and you just ask them the question, what, you know, what is leadership or what are the qualities of, of a leader or qualities of leadership? You know, I, I mean, strong and they're, you know, they're the ones who raise their hand first and, they um, are the influencer. They, you know, they're in the front of the room doing, you know, doing the, the speaking. They look good. They, ha- you know, whatever. We, we would throw all these qualities out that are, in a sense, we've got to bust through that too. You know, I don't, I, you know, that's something I, I just, I'm like, yeah, no. There are some of the most beautiful, soft-spoken leaders that I'm drawn to now, especially in my older years, I, I, I'm drawn to that softer leadership quality. Those are who I'm, those are the people that I'm learning from. Um, and it's, it has nothing to do with what I think maybe an old way of looking at, you know, saying what, what a leader is it has nothing to do with that. It's, it's, it's totally in who they are, with the words that they use and being aligned with what they say. They follow through with what they say. You know, that if they if they mess up, they clean up their own messes. They claim, you know, responsibility and um they they are that is leadership. You know, leadership is is your word. And um I fail every day. Don't we all? Yeah. And I also have you know, incredible breakthroughs where I recognize humbly, gosh, that, that worked, that connected, that, that mattered. And it was, it was because I, I was, I said something, I said I was going to do it. I did it. I followed through with it. And, and by the way, like it's really, I think it's in the, in the more challenging places, you know, being the bigger person with your words, being up to something bigger than yourself so often is, gosh, I'm in, uh, I'm in an argument with, you know, a good friend or my husband, I'm going to be up to something bigger with my words and go say, I'm sorry. I'm going to be the first one 
to say I'm sorry. That's that's leadership, you know. That to, is. Mm-hmm. That is. I love that. I love that. Okay, we I, I could talk to you for hours, but I know I, I just want to give people the opportunity to know where to f- connect with you. I love mm. what you're doing now. Tell us about your, uh, again, the name of your book. I know it's on Amazon. It's The Transformative Power of Language. And talk to us about your website and yeah. what's, what are you doing? Well, a little bit of, a little bit of a lot of things, but to me, it makes perfect sense. I, um, have transitioned out of, yoga studio ownership, which was really, yes, we taught incredible classes. We had a phenomenal group of, uh, group of, uh, a team that was in and out of there and an an incredible community in and out of the space for over a decade. But it really was a space for this conversation. This is, this is the conversation, you know, through, um, the studio that, that was really my intent of, of having a studio in the first place. So I've transitioned out of that. Um, but I'm still teaching a little bit and live big fish is the website. And so it's really, um, it's a wellness company and by wellness, I don't just mean, you know, movement or yoga that I do believe in Beverly, you and I were talking about it. It's so important, you know, to get up in the morning and move to stretch, to, you know, take care of ourselves. I think there's something that is incredibly powerful for the spirit, for our thoughts. When, when we do move, emotions want to move. So, um, I think that that's, um, that's part of wellness, but it's also, it includes coaching. Um, we have a membership, a $17 a month membership that with that membership, you get, some great recorded classes, if you've done yoga before or not, great recorded classes that you can follow along with, inspiration, journaling prompts. Um, we're adding recipes and um, all kinds of really great things in our membership, just an easy uh, monthly membership. And then um, the primary focus of the website is to get get people involved with who they are and who they're being and, um, to elevate the conversation. Um, so yeah, all of live, that. I love that. Live big It will be in the show notes and Great. I'll, we'll have your contact information and that available for our listeners. But, oh goodness, this is definitely my language is the mm. language of leadership, the language of love, the language of, of, of digging past the surface and really connecting with people. I have had a goal since I was in high school to be a master communicator. And I wow. love what you said. When when we talk about the high road to leadership, you really said it well, that this is a mountain with no top. It is a journey that doesn't have a destination end. It is a process. It is an, it's an adventure. And thank you for joining us today in this mm-hmm. adventure of the High Road to Leadership. I look forward to creating something. And I just have to say one last plug for your podcast, One Creative Act. That's Mary Lynn Jenkins. You can find One Creative Act. You are doing a fantastic job of podcasting. And we've got some good things in our future. So thank you for joining us today. 
Thank you so much.